We have a conundrum already this morning. Yeah, I just looked out to the right, to the northeast, and I see the sunrise more, it's a slightly darker hue than usual, more of a pink, more of a reddish, light yeah. red. What does that mean? Well, last night we had a red sky as well. Okay. So red sky at night is supposed to be sailor's delight. Red sky at morning, sailors take warning. Okay. What do you do when you have both? Which <laughs> takes precedence? Okay. I'm guessing whatever comes second or, you know, if whatever you have experienced most recently, the rhyme is a rule of thumb used for weather forecasting during the past two millennia, You're on according the to the Wikipedia <laughs> page. I'm, I'm just curious to know what the warning is. Well, maybe lousy weather ahead. Like for the day. Oh, if, but boy. I mean, our forecast wouldn't indicate that, would it? No, the forecast looks great. Mm, maybe it's just a hiccup in the system. Maybe if uh, if you're familiar with the the old rhyme or the old adage, let us know. You can text us 204-780-6868. Why is it a sailor's warning? I think the forecast looks great. Might be golfing this weekend. Oh, my word. Yeah, that's uh, exciting news for for many people looking to just get out. I know that uh, we had the story in Global News earlier this week about Shooters Golf Club on Maine, and they were saying that it's more important for them to have uh, a, a good spring than a than a lengthy fall because in terms all of their that, business, yeah, because there's all that pent up demand right. from people looking to get out and break out of their cabin fever to go golfing. I was just at uh, Kingswood yesterday in Lasalle. They're just using their simulator, and they're suggesting they're hoping maybe opening on Saturday. So I'm hoping that too. <laughs> but if not this week, I'm sure next week. What is that? The what? That's a, a little pony yeah. running down a street in a place called Hallam City. Yeah, we're easily distracted. <laughs> <laughs> we went from the what, the red sky at night and the red sky morning yep. to golf to now a lost pony. Global News Morning showing footage of uh, <laughs> a li- my little pony running down the street. Yep. Looked as bit looked like a. I thought that's a funny looking dog. A very large dog looks a lot like a horse. Anyway, we'll have to get the story on that. Sorry to confuse you as we dodge around here. And I was just thinking that There's if no I, need to apologize. The train of the train of thought <laughs> makes many stops with Mackling and McGarry. I believe that uh, that uh, if you're tuning in this morning, you're used to that. So we appreciate you you hanging in with us as we take you on a meandering. That's the word I was looking for. Of course, it's a good word. Uh, Throughout the word, I I love that word. If I could only spit it out uh, at one shot, it would be great. <laughs> um, but you know, what else is new? Uh, if you're going to be celebrating, I want to be careful how I phrase this. I don't want to jinx anything. Oh, if you're going to be participating in the Winnipeg Whiteout Party on Friday night, it might be a little difficult to get up for golfing Saturday morning. But I think there are a few people out there prepared to make the attempt. Well, especially if you are, you're in the family zone. Yeah, good point. Yeah, not everyone there is uh, is Indulging. there to, is there to crush 
crush beers, as they say. Uh, but it's cool that they've now expanded it. Uh, I think we made the suggestion yesterday that would they, if they were to expand it, would be a uh, sort of a T shape or a cross shape, and that's exactly what they've done. They've now expanded it uh, to Rivers on Donald from Portage to St. Mary, and now it's going to be on Graham as well from Smith to Hargrave. So that's cool. Yeah, they'll be able to add a, a few more thousand people there. I don't know what ex- exact capacity is. I've heard it suggested around 15,000, so as many outside as inside on Friday if everybody shows up as planned. And then you've got all the people who will be making their way to the legislature grounds. Why? For, What's going on there? Uh, tomorrow's uh, a day, an important date for many, 420. Mm. For the, the, the Mary Juana fans. Ah, uh, why 420? I don't know. That's not, I'm not a part of that culture, so I'll have to, del- we'll ha- you can text us that as well, 204-780-6868. I suppose, I'm guessing many who are involved in that probably wouldn't be awake at this moment, but... <laughs> never know. We got a That's te- a judgmental sort of statement. I mean, it's a generalization, I know, but we did get a text uh, later yesterday morning from someone named Debs. Who was saying 420? 420! <laughs> she was chanting electronically <laughs> yeah. on the text message machine. Yeah. So there's good. The point is, lots of people downtown. Right. Food trucks are going to be oh. doing very well tomorrow. Do you want to start a food truck? Maybe we could do that tonight in our spare time. Just create a pop up food truck for tomorrow. Just go to. Go to Costco and get boxes of Doritos or something. Yeah, I think that's probably all you need. Just walk around, put a little uh, shoulder strap on there and walk around like they do at the hockey games. <laughs> Chips, yeah. <laughs> get your Doritos, yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, we know it was the 80th birthday of Superman. Jerry Richardson went out and got Action Comics. Now, this is this is number 1,000 edition. How do, you, how, do you, how do you clarify that? Edition yeah, it, 1,000? It's just Action Comics number 1,000. So what was it's a it's a compendium. How many stories are in that issue? Uh, there's f- five or so. Yeah, uh, I haven't read them all. I've only read about three of them so far. I'm a rather busy guy when I, I leave here in the afternoon. Well, I, fe- I felt rather <laughs> privileged. You brought it in, and I was uh, I, I I got to 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 see it and look at it and read it. Not, not, put nothing, my grubby mitts all over it. Nothing makes me more mad than when someone buys a comic book and just sticks it in a sleeve and puts it away somewhere. Comic well, books are meant to be read. I figured that's what you were going to do with it. No. You, now, the only reason I brought this up was because you got a very uh, special variant of this 1000th edition. Yeah, we got the Dan Jurgens uh, variant cover. Which, and that's a big deal because? Because yesterday we actually got to speak with Dan Jurgens. There you go. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we chatted with him at 9.15 if you want to go to cjob.com to the audio vault and listen, or you can subscribe to the CJOB Morning Podcast on Google Play and iTunes. You can have a listen to that. Uh, it was an exciting moment for comic book fans, particularly for our big comic book fan or big Superman fan behind the glass, Jerry, the unofficial last son of Krypton. I'm just uh, doing some analysis here on our first uh, six minutes of the show. Yep. Compendium trumps meandering. Considerably. (laughs) So, yes, you are ahead in the war of words by one. (laughs) McGarry, one, Mackling, nothing. And you spit it out all in one shot. So, you you should get an extra half a point for that. Oh. You're up one and a half to nothing. So hard on yourself, Greg. (laughs) I meant to read this the other day. Came across my Facebook uh, page, right? It's Facebook page, wall, feed. I don't know. Twitter feed, Facebook wall, I think is how you do it. Um, came from someone in down in the Twin Cities. I was at the game, hockey game last night with my 12-year-old daughter in the front row waiting for the Wild to come out for warm-ups. 
three Jets fans come strolling down, doing Jets chants, having great time. Me and some other folks started chatting with these guys. They were a hoot. Speaking of 420, about 10 minutes later, one of the guys grabs a lady selling mini donuts and buys the last 10 bags she has. He handed all 10 to 12 bags to the kids and uh, around in and around the front row. Asked how much he owed, and the lady said 70 bucks or, or whatever. Pulls out his wallet and says, I'll buy 10 more. He said he wanted her to pass them out to kids. Just tell them they were from the Jets fans. She needed to go refill her bin. He paid her for all of them and put down another 40 and said, the rest is for you. Real cool guys down here to watch a game that they love with 19,000 others. I left after warm-ups for my upper-level seats, but I'm guessing anyone in the section these guys were in had a great time, win or lose. Wow. So right on. Way to be uh, great ambassadors when you're uh, out and about wearing your Jets jerseys. That's really what it's all about, the camaraderie amongst fans, whether you are are cheering for the same team or a different team I've found uh, that there's really nothing like it so uh, great story there I wanted to share it with you yesterday but we uh, we ran out of time and or it slipped my mind yeah well that's a it's a nice story and and now I'm uh, hungry for mini donuts <laughs> that doesn't that didn't take much that doesn't take much yeah it never does hey uh, were you a good studier back in university uh, university no grade school junior high Parts of high school, very good, excellent studier. I could remember things. I used to be able to remember all all kinds of things. Good on the test? uh, I did great on tests. I was excellent at taking tests, but uh, university, that kind of didn't work so well. Our former colleague and good friend Keith McCullough, who's at law school right now, texted me yesterday. He did his last exam yesterday. Cool. So congratulations, Keith. This on the heels. There is a point to me bringing this up. Students and universities across Canada are in the midst of exams. They may be winding up, and one post-secondary institution is taking a stand on cheating, bringing in a little extra technology for backup. Here's Diana Foxall with more. It's final season for post-secondary students, and the University of Regina is taking extra measures to prevent students from beating the system. We've seen an uptick, or what we would call an uptick, in what we call detected academic misconduct. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's more academic misconduct than there was two or three or five years ago, but that uh, at the very least we're detecting more of it. That's U of R Provost Dr. Thomas Chase. Dr. Chase says they're piloting using cameras in larger exam rooms to deter students from cheating in the first place, but also as a backup. In very large examination rooms where you've got 100, 200 or even 300 people writing, it's sometimes a challenge to uh, invigilate those exams adequately, though we have put additional invigilation resources in. He says the video isn't actually being monitored, it's more there as an extra resource. It will be there as a record if subsequently, as instructors mark final exams, they detect any kinds of academic misconduct, we'll be able to refer to the video record. Dr. Chase says the pilot project was actually at least suggested in part by students concerned about having a level playing field come exam time. He's keen to reiterate that the video footage is not a policing strategy in and of itself, more that it's a deterrence measure as well as a way to confirm suspicions should a professor need evidence to decide whether or not a student cheated on their final. Here in Winnipeg, Nick, a University of Manitoba student, says video footage might be a good way of preventing academic dishonesty. I think it'd be fine, like, if you want to combat cheating, yeah, just throw some cameras in there. It's not going to, like, hurt anybody. 
Like really, you're not invading anybody's privacy, it's an exam anyways. Concerns of privacy invasion were brushed off, with many students noting they were already monitored by surveillance cameras elsewhere on campus. But other students like Mohammed say it could add to the stress of exam season, which is already a tough time of year. When we have camera in the classroom, we cannot uh, focus on the exam. It's make uh, student nervous. Neither the University of Manitoba nor the University of Winnipeg currently uses video cameras to protect against academic dishonesty during final exams. And for the University of Regina, this pilot program with cameras is just that, a trial. If it appears not, on evaluation to have deterred academic misconduct during the final exams and if it does not assist us in uh, following up on instances of academic misconduct, obviously we would then evaluate whether to go ahead any farther with this pilot. Okay, first of all, great job to Diana Foxall for using the song Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell from the early 1980s with Michael Jackson, uncredited Michael Jackson on the vocal there in the mm-hmm. chorus. I was not expecting that uh, from one of our uh, young reporters. So that thank you for that. So one of my favorite songs from when I was a kid. Yeah, the young ones, they, uh, sometimes they, they know more of the older songs than you imagine, right? Yeah. It's kind of cool. My kids think all the best music came from the 80s. But anyway, Weird. we digress. Uh, the, the, uh, the dude from the Regina, University of Regina there. Yeah. That was a good word. Invigilate. Invigilate. Quick look up here. Invigilate. Pretty simple. Supervise candidates during an examination. (laughs) That uh, trumps compendium and meandering. Yeah. So uh, there's a reason why that guy's running a university and we're working in morning radio. Do you remember the Kids in the Hall sketch where I believe it was Bruce McCullough who, who kept using the word ascertain? <laughs> no. He, he just he had this 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 obsessive need to use the word ascertain in every sentence and often in each sentence. And uh, for whatever reason, I, I just I need to ascertain more information as I, I try to ascertain this. And then somebody mentioned the word delineate. And then he kind of looked up and you could see this like cartoon bubble of the word delineate sort of dancing around his forehead. And that was his new word. Suddenly did the word delineate. So if if. He were listening to that sketch, guaranteed the word invigilate. I challenge every one of you today to work invigilate into your conversation somehow, some way, and then uh, you can blame it on uh, Mackling and McGarry. Come in. I came as soon as I ascertained you needed to see me, sir. Williams, there have been some complaints about your use of language on the docks. If this is about yesterday, sir, yes, I did use a few blue words, a few cuss words, but as soon as I ascertained that the mix-up had been corrected, what I did was... No, Williams, it's not your swearing that I'm getting complaints about. It's the fact that you used the word ascertain too much. (laughs) Really? Yes, apparently you use it an average of two to three hundred times daily. (laughs) Should we give a credit and a shout-out to our friend Jeff? Well, I think, was that you, Jerry, who dug that up? Oh, well, Braun found it. Okay. All right. So Jeff Braun, our loyal listener, Jeff, uh, we'll call it a, uh, a codependency or a, the know, a joint effort. Sure. How's that? How's Why that? Not? These are the Jeffs we know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Go, Jeffs, go. Go, Jeffs, go. That's the voice of Kelly Moore. Jeff Braun's in the studio. Chantelie Vidal's here behind the glass. Jerry, omnipresent as always. And as you heard in the previous segment, the University of Regina 
This, they're fun killers over there in Saskatchewan. Uh, we'll be installing security cameras in some exam rooms. That's because they want to deter cheaters. So today we're having coffee, talking, cheating on tests. Have you ever cheated on a test? Have you ever caught someone cheating on a test or similar? Uh, why don't we start with you? Do you want to save your story for last, or are you going to break it out right uh, now, let's hold, let's hold for a couple of minutes. Right. Uh, we'll hold serve on that for a couple of minutes. How about uh, Jeff Braun? Yeah, I got a story. Um, I'm going to st- keep things a little vague because I'm still not sure about the statute of limitations. <laughs> um, I was involved in a college course uh, wherein I had to do a project that involved um, it, was, it was a computer drafting thing. It was designing a circuit board in this computer program, and I was terrible at it. I did the project. I got, I think, 5%. And the teacher's rule was if you fix all the mistakes before the end of the next term, it'll give you a D minus. And I waited to the last day of the next term, put my name on somebody else's, handed in. Uh, made a promise to God above that I would never accept a job that involved any sort of computer drafting whatsoever. I was like, I'll never use this, so I don't have to feel guilty about it. Well, I just need the credit. It's ironic that you bring up drafting because someone who does quite well in the real estate world in Winnipeg once stole one of my drafting projects. <laughs> and I, for the life of me, could not find that I must have been a 16 by 32 piece of velvet paper that you used in drafting. Drafting. I was just about done my project to hand it in. I couldn't find it anywhere. Like literally stole it. Literally wow. stole it. And then you, you would keep your projects in these big drawers. So finally, I'm flipping through the projects and I'm going, he didn't even do a very good job of erasing <laughs> my name before he put his name on it. Did quite well on the project. So you know who you are if you're listening this morning. <laughs> Wow. I haven't forgotten. Wow. 1986. And what does this person do now? He's a realtor. Does quite well in Winnipeg, actually. Oh, okay. I'll make, make sure to give me that name. After, I will so. make sure you don't use him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but are you Kelly ever Not cheat? my brother. Not that I can re- remember. I, I And I don't know if it counts as a test, but I've played with a few people on the golf course who I think must have failed at math. <laughs> Yes. Because, uh, you know, there's playoff amnesia, then I think there's stroke amnesia as well. I'll just, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, there's an old saying in sports, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So, yeah. you know, maybe they can rename those cameras at the University of Regina in honor of Bill Belichick. Well, how much dirty play is there in, in sports, right? Guys taking shots at each other well, when, when they think they can get away with it. I've heard water polo actually is one of the most vicious sports because you can't see what yeah. goes on. And uh, one of my uh, neighbors upstairs in my apartment building says he used to play water polo and they the guys would be just vicious with each other underneath. They'd be like reaching for each other's, yeah. uh, you know, <clears throat> bits yeah. and pieces. And uh, yeah, just just savage. I wonder if it's like that in roller derby, too. Chandelier? <laughs> we can only report on uh, what we see, right, from start to start to finish. Um, so, I mean, really, cheating in roller derby, it's only cheating if we see it, technically. Well, I think that's the case, and I would guess in most sports. In, sure. in most sports. But what's the most uh, common form of cheating, shall we say, in roller der- derby that you do catch? Oh, there's, there, there's, there's so many things. I mean, there's, um, I mean, you know, you might have, um, 
some, some oh, somebody thinks somebody trying to maybe leave the penalty box early before mm-hmm. their penalty is up. You might have somebody try and put an extra skater on the track so they get uh, more time. You might have somebody try and uh, call off the jam when they're not lead jammer. <laughs> if they succeed, it's a penalty. Oh, wow. Well, that's very so, interesting. Uh, we had a text messenger who says they're not calling cheating cheating anymore. They're calling it academic dishonesty. Talk about giving people a free pass. <laughs> <laughs> academic dishonesty. Hey, uh, Jerry. No you, ever, need cameras. <laughs> you ever been caught cheating? I've never been caught cheating because I've never cheated. I've always been too scared to even try to cheat at anything because really? I don't want to get caught. Yeah, well, hey, good for you. He's a noble man. I uh, no, I'm just a, I'm just a scaredy cat. <laughs> <laughs> Fear is a, is an important thing to have. It's a great motivator. In grade ten, it was uh, math. We had a math exam coming up, and uh, my classmate Brian Giles. Oh, <laughs> he comes. You, you went there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, we we he came up to me. We conspired. He said, listen, I need some help. You're good at this. Can I sit beside you during the math exam and, and you know, copy your answers? And uh, I said, well, sure, you know, we were friends and whatever. I wanted to help him out. <laughs> and uh, I figured it's no skin off my teeth. I'm going to get a, a decent grade on this. And if I can help him out, fine. Um, but at one, after the exam, we both got called, or a couple of days later, we got called into the vice principal's office, Monsieur Buisson, because he says... He 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 knew that we cheated, and uh, he first he questioned us and said, "So did you guys cheat? Uh, you guys were sitting together at the back of the room." And no, 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 nothing happened because there's a there's a question here where you got an answer wrong, and it's so wrong I can't even figure out how you got it. And you both have the same answer. <laughs> so it wasn't the right answers that sunk you. It was a really awkward, bad yeah. answer. And as I, lo- I looked at it, and I, I tried to figure it out, and I thought, I have no idea how we came to this answer either. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't duplicate it. I couldn't duplicate the wrong, the mistake. So I don't know who, I may have, I think I may have, cop- I don't know if I copied it off him or if he copied it off me. Uh, but so they made us rewrite the test. It was uh, Madame Zonneveld's class, actually. So I had to rewrite the test uh, about a week later. Did you get a higher mark on the retest? No, I think they actually just threw mine in the garbage. Because oh, wow. uh, I just think made you do I think it. they were targeting Brian. Um, but uh, they, yeah, they could have sunk us both. It so. sounds like a sting operation, Shanalee. Have you ever been caught up in that? I. I don't recall ever cheating in school. I was never one to cheat because, um, you know, your parents always tell you. Well, that's kind of a boring answer. Cheating is wrong. <laughs> I will say, though, I am I am bad for this. When I play video games, uh, you know, I go home and really st- I uh, want to relieve some stress. I turn on my Nintendo Switch and I play Super Mario Odyssey. And it's, it's some parts are hard. So I played in assist mode. So if you die, you come back to life. And then some a lot. There's there's like a lot of things to find, a lot of little little treasures, so I look up all the cheats online. Oh, I yeah. want to find stuff. That's, that's cheating. That's the extent of that's the cheating? cheating. I know. It's, it's, I shouldn't do that. you got to use the cheat codes I'm in games. spoiling up, the game. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, start. Contra! <laughs> oh, the all time. God. Jerry talked about fear. Guilt would be the thing that would eat me up for yeah. cheating. Yeah, yeah. well... Text us your cheating stories, 204-780-6868. Thank you, Shannon Lee Vidal, Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, Behind the Glass, Jerry. Excellent day today for one individual in our city.
Yes, indeed, a prestigious medal will be awarded to a Manitoban for military service to a World War II veteran. Bruno Bernichon from Consul in France here in Winnipeg explains what the medal means. The Legion of Honor medal is the highest distinction that France can uh, uh, award someone. And this distinction is made uh, and given to people that have done services to the country of France, either uh, as a member of the militaries or uh, services done by uh, a regular person to the government. And it is the highest distinction that we can offer from France. Now, this is going to someone named Jim McGill. Bernichon says it's likely the last time the French Legion of Honor Medal will be given out to a Canadian soldier. It's a, a great honor to be able to uh, award this medal to this uh, fine gentleman who is uh, among many of the soldiers that uh, we have decorated in Canada in the past uh, four and a half years. And uh, so far, we probably have decorated... Uh, 13 to 1400. I don't have the exact number. Here in Manitoba, I have personally decorated uh, more than 30. And as you were originally saying uh, as the introduction, sadly, uh, uh, these uh, fine soldiers are uh, leaving us because of their age, or some of them, many of them, uh, to the point of 50,000, did not come back from Normandy. And uh, it is said that uh, we cannot have any more uh, candidates to uh, to decorate here in Manitoba and probably in Canada. Several notable figure, figures will be present today as the 95-year-old veteran, Jim McGill, receives his award as at his residence. The Lieutenant Governor will be here. His Worship uh, Mayor Brian Bowman will be there. The uh, Said 17th Wing Commander uh, Andrew Cook will be there. Other dignitaries will be there. They do understand the uh, magnitude of this ceremony. They do understand how important it is, and more so that they do realize that, as I said earlier, it will be uh, the last one here in Manitoba unless somebody comes up to, with his name uh, to be decorated. Uh, we're not going to see that again. That is Bruno Bernichon from the Consul in France here in Winnipeg explaining the significance of the French Legion of Honor. And uh, it could be uh, one of the last times, if not the last time, that a Manitoban will get this uh, award. What an incredible distinction. Yes. My goodness. Congratulations to Jim McGill, to his whole family, his entire family will be celebrating. Our entire province celebrates with them. Just uh, as we just ahead of sports here, uh, I noticed about a few minutes ago, and then Greg just made the same observation. Is that a rainbow? Kind of looks like a rainbow, but I think it's actually a sun dog. We usually associate that with very cold days, right? A yeah. sun dog. Yeah. So I'm not into. Yeah, it looks because it, it looks more like it's uh, like a full sphere from where. I mean, I'm just seeing the a part of the curvature, but yeah, that's kind of neat. Um, Strange, strange sky today, man. Yeah, without question. You might want to stay off the sea today. <laughs> uh, although someone did take a picture of it and they said, more yellow than red, good weather ahead. Oh, look, we're making up rhymes all over the place. I was born in a small town. 
Thursday morning. That means it's time for the small town salute. This week, we're heading a little bit east of the city of Winnipeg to a place called Lorette, Brett McGarry. That's right. We have a couple of people who are going to speak with us right now. Um, but the reason we're going to Lorette is there's, there was a story a few, a couple of months back now about this wayward bison named Freddy. <laughs> That the residents of Lorette were spotting and discussing on Facebook, and the person to chat to about this is Donna Massey. She owns the Dawson Trail Motor Inn and Bar, and we're also going to speak with her friend Yvonne Romaniuk, who uh, is super involved in the community to learn more about the community at large. But let's start with you, Donna. First of all, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Good morning to you. So tell us about Freddie. <laughs> well... Funny thing is, is you and I wouldn't be having the conversation right now if it wasn't for that rascal. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is just a random bison who was getting out, and we decided to have fun with it. And he truly has put Lorette on the map. Where was he getting out from? Um, his farmer's field. You know, he would just randomly get out and walk around, and people would take a picture of it and post it on Facebook. And he generated a lot of positivity and fun conversation with the town. <laughs> Freddie, a uh, friendly fed fellow as far as bison well, go? Well, <laughs> I don't want to get too close to find out. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd agree. They have a bison enclosure up in Minnedosa, and, and they, they look... They look quite tame from a distance, but I don't know how close I would want to get. I think that's a great strategy, Donna. Yeah, he uh, he's big, so let's just leave it at that. <laughs> when's the last time? When's the last time Freddie was seen roaming about? Um, let's say a couple of weeks ago. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. How often does he get out? Well, he was getting out frequently, but he's behaving right now. <laughs> you know, but spring fever's coming, so God only knows what's going to happen. <laughs> does, he have a, does he have tags, like, or does just everybody know where he belongs? I guess, you know, there's not... No, he, 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 everyone knows where he belongs. So does he make his own way back to the farm, or does he need some, some help from conservation officers or something? <laughs> And where can we see pictures of him? Uh, do, is he, do you still have pictures in your Facebook group, uh, Lorette? He has his own Facebook page. He has his own! <laughs> What's it called? Uh, Frederick the, Bri the Bison. Oh, I Frederick. Yeah. That's very formal <laughs> uh, of you, Donna. Sorry, okay, so Frederick the Bison, that's Donna Massey who owns the Dawson Trail Motor Inn and Bar. Uh, so Donna, why don't you pass the phone to Yvonne and we'll learn a bit more about Lorette. Okay. Hi, Brad. Hi, Yvonne. This is Yvonne Romaniuk, uh, who, as Donna described uh, you to us, Yvonne, that you're super involved in the community, involved in pretty much everything from the church, library, fundraising, etc., and that you're the perfect candidate to speak all things Lorette. Would you agree with that? <laughs> well, I don't know if I agree with everything, but I am involved. <laughs> okay. So, what? It, first of all, for those who don't know where Lorette is, where is it uh, if you're coming from Winnipeg? Lorette is about 25 kilometers southeast of uh, Winnipeg. Okay. And uh, how long have you been there? I've been there all my life. And uh, why are you so involved in the community? Well, I've seen it grown, and uh, it's my home, hometown, so I'm really proud of uh, what happens there, and um, 
I hope that I can still uh, stay here a few more years. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yvonne, <laughs> Yvonne uh, lots of smaller communities are, are growing in and around the city of Winnipeg. Lorette's uh, certainly one of those. Uh, have the newcomers uh, come in good faith? Yes, they have. We have uh, so many uh, young families. So with that, what happens is our schools are overcrowded. Uh, recreation, we need more recreation. Um, you know, it's, it's wonderful to see that. But on the other side, uh, we need more resources. <laughs> well, and I've heard Lorette has a nice little golf course, too. A very well-kept golf course, from what I understand. Do you golf, Yvonne? I don't golf, no, but I am involved in a, we have a few fundraising events coming up to, actually what I'm really involved with right now is the uh, fundraising for a new complex. Uh, the complex would uh, consist of a, uh, another sheet of ice, a gym and a track, uh, also a library and a daycare. Oh, wow. Yes. So right now we're really involved in fundraising. And uh, one of our uh, upcoming events is a golf uh, tournament on June 2nd. Okay. So if anyone is um, wanting to join us, we certainly appreciate that. How, how would uh, someone get involved in that, Yvonne? Uh, they would just, uh, we have uh, advertisements all over, and um, the name of the gentleman is Jill Rondeau. All right. We'll find Jill. We'll find him. If you want to go to this golf tournament, send us uh, an email, uh, brett at cjob.com or brett at cjob or gmac at cjob.com. We'll get you connected with the folks in Lorette. Uh, so, Yvonne, uh, just before you pass the phone back to Donna, uh, if anybody just wants to, like, say we have uh, former Lorette residents listening right now who want to make a contribution to this uh, new complex, or this upgraded complex, uh, who should they contact? Can they contact you? Uh, we have um, uh, a campaign of, uh, and it's called? <laughs> uh, the Lorette Community <laughs> Complex Fundraising Group. Okay. Yes, I, I've, um, I've, uh, oh, that's we have okay. a website. We have a website, so I could let you know later on. Okay, so just the Loretta Community Complex. You Again, shoot me an email, brett at cjob.com, gmac at cjob.com. Do you guys have the radio on in the background, by the way? No, we do not. Okay. Uh, well, what, so, uh, Donna, we'll ask you this final question then, because you can clearly hear us as well. Um, the uh, Dawson Trail Motor Inn and Bar, uh, how long have you owned that business? Twelve years. Okay. And yeah. uh, what, uh, are you from Lorette? Uh, no, I moved here 12 years ago. I'm a city girl myself, personally. Transplant. Uh, yes, and you know what? It wouldn't change it for the world. Don't ever want to leave here. I understand. Is that because they, uh, they've got good ice cream in Lorette? Oh, Brian's Drive-In has the best. <laughs> really? Yeah. All right. Road trip. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, and you can uh, you can go see uh, Freddie too. Uh, we'll see Freddie. You have okay. good wings over there, Donna. We have amazing wings over here. Okay, all right. Well, hey, thank you very much uh, for this, Donna Massey and Yvonne Romaniuk. Donna runs the owns the Dawson Trail Motor Inn and Bar. She told us about Freddie the Bison Facebook page, Frederick 
the bison. And Yvonne has been in Lorette her whole life and just is involved in everything. And again, if you want to inquire about how to contribute to that new complex, just shoot either of us an email, brett at cjob.com or gmac at cjob.com. I got her day planned. We'll go for wings at the Dawson Trail Motor Inn. Yep. Then we'll go golfing. Yep. And then before we come back to the city, we'll say hi to Freddie and uh, get some ice cream. That's a great for day. The road, for the road trip back. That sounds like a great day. All right. Small town salute for South Beach Casino and Resort, where service sets us apart. Southbeachcasino.ca. The spring melt has left the ground looking rather grimy and is left over. Leaves cling to brown lawns, but leaves aren't the only thing many homeowners will be cleaning up. Global News reporter Christian O'Mell is here to explain. Hi, Christian. Want to talk about some poop, Brett? Yeah, I'm sure you were really happy with me yesterday when I said, what about dog poop? <laughs> oh, this is a cool story. It's the other part of spring. If you've got a dog or two or four, oh, you've got to bring them outside, let them out. There are poop cleaning services yep. in the city, I've learned. Not a lot. There are, I think, three main ones. And they got some good names. Scooby-Doo, for one. <laughs> Scooby-Doo is, I think, the original, yes, right? Yes, they're, they're a local company. I, on their website, they've got... Scooby Doo looking thing, mascots, and I'm thinking there might be some copyright <laughs> questions there. But uh, they'll be all right. Uh, and then there's the Poo Crew, which uh, started in Regina. They moved or opened up an office here a couple years ago. That's who I went out with yesterday to a home in Saint Fatal, and there wasn't a ton of poop in this yard because they're a weekly customer. Okay. So what you can do is they can come every week and clean up what's there, or what's more popular is a one-time service. So they'll send out a couple people to a yard and clean up all the poo <laughs> that's been piling up through the winter. And when the snow melts, look at all of this poo. Okay. So uh, here's just here's some how audio I collected yesterday of just the scooper in action. Does Quint, it, does it Quint stink? No, honestly, no. No, I mean your audio. Does, oh. Never mind. Okay. He's getting the stuff that's stuck in, that's in the snow, uh, stuff that's stuck in ice. If you're scooping at home... You don't want to get stuff that's stuck in ice or underneath water. Poop is 80% water. You're just going to make a bigger mess. So, One thing that's, uh, that I find, though, um, that is challenging is we want to make sure that clients understand that we want to do the best job possible. Uh, and sometimes in this early spring, uh, it's best for us to let them know that it, it, to, in order to do a proper and efficient job, that we wait until uh, enough ice melts so that we don't have to chip at it. It's a much faster, more efficient process than just uh, putting the scooper through more than he needs to go through. Like this one here is a good example. It's quite, quite frozen and ice. It could, we could potentially get it out with a glove, but you know, if, if you break it, you don't want to break the structure of it because then you, you get the, the bottom level and then it turns into what we call poop soup and it's not any cleaner than what we did before. So this is, we report this and then save it for the next week. So they take their craft seriously, but they also have a lot of fun with it. Uh, that was Quinn Sklopowicz, the scooper, and Daniel Dementia, the founder, uh, talking about the poop there. And you heard the shovel and bucket technology. Yeah, uh, I was wondering if there was special technology involved. So that's the technology. Shovel yeah. and bucket. Yeah, so there's okay. a garbage bag in the bucket, and then when they're done, they toss that in the trash. And they make sure they spray everything down first so they're not tracking any possible diseases from yard to yard to make sure the dogs are all staying safe. And they will wear gloves to pick up some stuff that's, you know, well-formed and easy to pick up. But a lot of the stuff that I saw yesterday was kind of on the snow. So that's why you heard the, the shoveling and uh, putting it in the bucket. Uh, I asked the founder, Daniel DeBent, why people get this service? 
same reason why we go for dinner you know uh, that's that's my opinion on it um, it's a service like any other service like going in through a car wash um, there's different moments in people's lives when a service like this is required and there's moments in people's lives when it's not and I asked the scooper if some dogs have easier poop to clean than others I would definitely say so I that really depends on the uh, <laughs> that really depends on how like what the dog is eating I've learned a lot like you said about how to identify what is what is a dog's diet based on how the poop looks if it's really like chalky and breaks apart you could tell it's a raw diet um, or if it's different colors that's also information that we have available for the client if they're concerned like oh hey I think my dog is having some intestinal issues we're curious about how his poop is looking and we have that information uh, if they want to take it to the vet or anything like that they've also got some novelty t-shirts they wear like one that says the police and it's the bomb squad. <laughs> and apparently Quinn's grandpa calls him in Inspector Jacques Pousseau. <laughs> okay, no like shortage it. of puns there, yeah. right? Do you have dogs, Greg? I have one little Shih Tzu. And uh, let me tell you, I was out on the... Uh, she doesn't even go down in the wintertime, down onto the yard. Uh, she claims the deck as her own. And I was out with the shop vac yesterday oh, yeah. and uh, trying to clean up the last of uh, what's left of her winter uh, duties, so, uh -huh. so uh -huh. to speak. And, shop uh, vac. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> not, I'm not. There's no way I'm, I'm shoveling that stuff off the deck, uh, damage the well, deck. You could get someone to do it for you. Uh, that might be my next call. Uh, <laughs> expect a call from me around 10.05 this morning. <laughs> Yeah, I had a dog. Well, I had my family's had dogs over the years, and I would always try to whenever it was because it somehow ended up always being my job cleaning or cleaning up after the dog. Sure, I didn't do it very well. Right, and uh, but in the spring it was always a race once the melt started oh, because yeah. you try to stay on top of it in the winter, but inevitably you miss many of them, and then you realize just how many you missed when you're going through the yard. It's like a landmine. It's like a minefield. <laughs> the the but, frozen ones are better, right? Well, I, I always easier to pick up. I found it easiest once it started melting because then you could dig into the snow. Oh, okay. Because they, it's, it's still in the snow, so you just got to scoop out the snow. It would, I'd have, I'd fill many bags of snow, but it wasn't <laughs> gross. But it's once the it's once it hits the ground, that's when it becomes a really yeah, yucky. Yeah, job. And you might step on it, and then it's impossible. And if you've got kids that want to play in the yard, you got to make sure that poop's cleaned up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody maybe, who's got a dog can maybe relate this is to this. An argument for cats. Oh no, no, no. Oh, okay. no. I like dogs and cats. It, it comes to the territory if you get a dog. Yeah. So. Well, it, you know what? The, there is a, an argument for cats. At least they do essentially go do their business in a pseudo toilet. Cleaning right? litter is not easy either, though. It's, well, it smells. Well, yeah, yeah. It beats cleaning up your backyard. I would suggest. That's right. He's so good. Behind the glass, Jerry. Jeff Braun's not too bad time. either. Jeff was drumming out to this. He's rocking out. What's a frequency can at the show? The localfrequency.com website that was brought to our attention by one of our listeners. It's an app. We're going to learn about it in just a moment. And I just want to reiterate something that I know you say in one of our promos, Brett. Often the best stories that we share here on 680 CGB come from our listeners. And often we are only as good as your eyes and ears mm -hmm. on the street because we can't be everywhere at once. So thank you for this. Yes, and we've learned about this, this app, the local frequency app. And to tell us more about it, 
is Tyler Ibrahim, who joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Tyler, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on this morning. So you're the creator of this app? One of the creators, yeah. We have a team of about uh, five, five or six of us that work on this. So this, uh, I see that Global News here in Winnipeg did a story on this back in February 2016. When did you guys first come up with this idea? Yeah, that's when we launched was uh, February 2016, although we had been sort of in development for maybe six months prior to that. Um, what happened was we, we really learned about the importance of shopping local, not just from a perspective of, you know, getting good and unique uh, uh, products and offerings from, from great local businesses, but also the economic impacts of shopping local. Um, so we talked to a bunch of local businesses before launching the product and thought, hey, this is an idea that we have, but what do you guys think? So it's really been driven by those businesses. And although we started two years ago with eight businesses and a minimum uh, feature set. Now we got over 120 and a lot more functionality and value. And it's all well and good to have a great idea, but you have to have buy-in from, in this case, multiple what are really and genuinely partners, right? Exactly right. So, I mean, this this program really has value because of the businesses that are on the program. You know, the local dollar that's central to the program is accepted by over 120, and those businesses are what make the program so great. I'm sorry, how many businesses have signed up now? There are about 120. Nice. I'm just looking it up. I've just pulled out my LG G6 Android phone here, and uh, I am looking at the local frequency by Protegra Inc. Install uh, right now. Okay, so while that's working. Mix of, of, you know, like uh, restaurants and retail. There's a couple uh, tap rooms on there, uh, bakeries, um, good variety of local independent business. So how does it work then once I want to use it, when I go into a business that uh, is subscribed or is partnered up with the local frequency? Yeah, so uh, the first thing, I mean, just as you're doing now, you can download the app for free if you have a, an Android or iPhone. Uh, browse the list of businesses to see who accepts local dollars. There's, uh, as we've said, 120 plus of those. Um, there's probably one you know, or, or you can find a new one. Um, and then you, you essentially like load up money into the app and think of it kind of uh, like a balance that is called local dollars. It's money that's valued, or sorry, accepted by local independent business. So whatever value you have on the app there, when you use it to pay, you just simply get it scanned and then you get 5% cash back on your purchase. So it's a good way for you as a consumer to sort of save money while also supporting local independent business in our community. Now, obviously, the one of the advantages to local business is having sort of a clearinghouse like this and a, an incentive for people to use this. 5% sounds like a pretty good incentive to get involved as a customer. Why would I get involved as a business? So for businesses, I mean, this is a currency that really is only for them. So when you use this to shop local and are supporting businesses, they get visibility to a lot of consumers. They get to show that they are a, um, you know, a forward-thinking business that believes in working together uh, with the group of businesses that are trying to make shopping local easier. Uh, and then we have a bunch of different tools that sort of help uh, marketing be a little bit easier for these businesses. And we're really looking at this as a shared service that's for local independent business and building features that allow them to have better uh, relationships with their customers, really. Tyler Ibrahim is our guest. He's with Protegra Inc. And uh, they've created an app. Uh, it's been in action now for a couple of years called the Local Frequency. It's available on Apple and Android. 
And it's uh, aimed at uh, getting you to buy local, shop local, eat local. And uh, if you want to, you say that you have to load money to the app and then use that, use the the local dollars to to pay for your transaction. How long does it take for the money to appear? Like if I want to load, if I want to transfer some money to the app, how long does it take to show up in my local frequency account? It'll come immediately. So you can load up with uh, with your credit card. You still get access to your credit card reward points, uh, whatever those may be on your card. Plus, you get 5% uh, when you're paying at these local businesses. So it's quick and immediate and gives you value right away. So, Tyler, have you been able to launch this uh, concept in, in other cities? Uh, we've launched it in Brandon. Uh, so at the end of November last year, we, we launched in Brandon, and we have about 15, 20 businesses there. Uh, but that's that's it so far. Everything has been within Manitoba. Well, it, it, it's a really cool idea. We're so thankful to the listener that brought it to our attention. Clearly, it was on our radar when you first launched. Let's keep in touch. This is a really a, a good news story, and we, we love to highlight the efforts of local entrepreneurs like yourself. Well, thanks very much. I really appreciate the exposure and for giving me some time this morning. And what's uh, your website, Tyler, if you want to give that a plug? So everyone can go to uh, localfrequency.com, and then there's uh, download buttons there for for Android and iPhone, and you can learn more, get the app, and uh, use it to shop local today. All right, Tyler Ibrahim. Thank you very much. Tyler is with Protegra Inc., and they are the creators of the Local Frequency app, which is available, as you mentioned, on Apple and Android. I just downloaded it myself, and uh, it's been around for a couple of years now. And as Greg mentioned, thank you so much to the listener who pointed that out to us while we were having our bi-local conversation yesterday. The Winnipeg Football Club, this is the headline, Post's operating profit of $5.1 million in 2017. To tell us more, we're joined by Wade Miller, Winnipeg Football Club President and CEO. Good morning, Wade. Good morning. This is good news. It's uh, very positive for sure and, uh, you know, hard work by uh, all of our staff on and off the field and, and, more importantly, the support that we get from the community, our season ticket members and everybody that comes out to events at uh, Investors Group Field. What's been the key to this number growing over the last couple of seasons? Obviously, attendance uh, last year was up over 2016. Yes, uh, you know, our attendance going up uh, 6% is is a big uh, portion of that as well. Uh, Hosting a home playoff game uh, doesn't hurt, and uh, some large major events at the stadium as well. And uh, in part, also bringing in the Manitoba Marathon last year was great. And, uh, you know, just getting great utilization of the stadium and... uh, you know, making sure all Manitobans get to use the stadium and not just for Blue Bomber games. How crucial is it to the the Winnipeg Football Club to secure some of those big-time non-football events like concerts? Well, they all help. Uh, we we uh, are in a, you know, a tough uh, situation uh, to get uh, concerts uh, with the Canadian dollar the way it is and, and the, just there's not the big st- uh, stadium touring acts that they used to be, so... Um, those are few and far between. So uh, when we get one like Guns N' Roses, we, we love it, and we uh, are always uh, looking for more of those opportunities. You know, when the, first, uh, when the stadium first was, was proposed and the financing model, you weren't involved uh, with the club uh, in your capacities you are now, Wade, but there was a lot of scoffing, a lot of people who thought, you know what, the Winnipeg Football Club, they're never going to generate the amount of revenue that is being promised here in order to pay back uh, the quote-unquote loan part of the mortgage on the building that is the responsibility of the football club, yet you've been able to do that without fail every single year. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, to be very clear, our responsibility uh, under the management agreement is entertainment tax, facility fee, and then a calculation of excess cash. Uh, and uh, we'll meet those obligations every year of the entertainment tax and facility fee. And when we have a positive year like we did this year, um, you know, we're able to add uh, the additional excess cash to that as well. So in terms of, yeah, it's $5.1 million profit, and then uh, there's a payment of $3.5 million to Triple B, and then uh, $1.3 million to the city of Winnipeg. And this dates back to uh, 2005, when the, there was an earlier Winnipeg Enterprises Corporation debt that was assigned to the club. So it, that particular debt, is that finished now? Where does that stand? Well, that yes, that that debt's finished. Um Quite honestly, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, say that I'm not sure how the Winnipeg Football Club ended up with that. Uh, when you look that that was uh, when this uh, football club took over the operations of Canada Inns, the old stadium, there was uh, money outstanding that had to be paid down, and that $1.3 million was left over from Winnipeg Enterprises. Uh, so they were using the uh, facility fee and entertainment tax off the old stadium for that. So the Winnipeg Football Club in part of this agreement to move to Investors Group Field, um, had to put that on our books. And this year we made the payment to uh, clean that up with the city of Winnipeg. So uh, so those are all covered off. Uh, we still have the ongoing expense of uh, transportation uh, to the stadium for our fans. And the football club and our fans are paying for that service for regular transit and park and ride, um, which also over time will need to be addressed. So $5.1 million, you take that $4.8 million of payments uh, off the book and off the top, and you're still in the black $300,000. Where does the football club stand over now, uh, Wade? Uh, we're in a very positive situation. We have an operating reserve we have a, um, that we, uh, we have set aside. Um, you know, so uh, we're in a great situation. Our fans are amazing with the support. Um, you know, we keep building and enhancing on the game day experience. Uh, last year, we added uh, six viewing decks, uh, which we think uh, have really, uh, really worked well. Um, you know, with the, the rapid transit station added last year, you know, you really saw our fans, um, you know, say transportation's figured out. Are we always going to work on improving it? Absolutely. Uh, but there was a noticeable difference last year of people buying tickets 24 hours up to the game. Uh, and not worried about how they were going to get to the stadium. So there's been a shift, and we've seen it, and it was a start in 2017. We look forward to that continuing in 2018. Wade Miller is our guest, Winnipeg Football Club President and Chief Executive Officer. Another number that's uh, jumping out at me on on uh, the release here of your financials is that uh, operating expenses were up uh, $700,000, or 2.4% over 2016, is that a lot, or is that just kind of par for the course when you run uh, a large organization like this? Yes, par for the course for sure. Uh, you know, it's 2.4%, so uh, we're keeping costs in line. Um, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is that uh, operating the stadium is very ex- expensive. Um, you know, we, we incur all the stadium operation costs as well uh, on an annual basis, so that's a big portion of it. Um, and the and the biggest part of this uh, for people to remember is that we really invest in our football and and, and put the resources where we need to uh, to make sure we have a winning, sustainable organization. 
So it's every reason to believe, at least uh, from where I sit, Wade, that you could uh, average well over 27,000 fans this season. Is there a magic formula there? I know you would love to have every single game sold out like the Banjo Bowl, uh, but if you get to around a 30,000 uh, per game attendance, does that really grow the bottom line? That's all, is, that all, is that all gravy, so to speak? Uh, it definitely helps, that's for sure. We had three games last year in 2017 of over 30,000. Um, and then you look at our schedule this year with uh, mostly Friday nights and a Saturday in the summer. And, you know, only the Thursday night as the big home uh, opener kickoff uh, for the CFL as well. Uh, in the next couple uh, weeks and, and, and within a month for sure, we'll announce a big uh, halftime act as well for that show or, or for that game. Uh, so, um, you know, and we'll have more uh, more enter- live entertainment at halftime and in the pregame tailgate area this year. So we keep working on enhancing the game day experience. So we want those numbers of attendance to stay where they are and grow over time. And, and that's what we're going to do every day is focus on the game day experience. Wade, we only have about 60 seconds left here. But one of the things that Greg and I uh, sort of gleaned uh, from Mark CFL week uh, a few weeks back, uh, we got to, to meet with a number of Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Is there there was a genuine excitement from the guys and the team as they move into this season? You know, last season they made it to the playoffs, and I think they're looking, they're aiming higher this year. And you can really tell that they're jacked up. Yeah, we have a uh, unbelievable locker room, unbelievable players. Um, you know, what we did in free agency was uh, a, a good step forward as well to adding to the team. Uh, there's such a core of guys here, and, and they're so committed to winning um, and, and winning the Grey Cup. And, and, and if they don't, and we don't as an organization, we didn't achieve our goal. Um, but they are a committed group. It's great to get some Winnipeggers back as well. Um, so they came home, and uh, we look forward to the upcoming year. I like that philosophy of bringing the homegrown uh, players uh, personally. Wade Miller, thank you for this. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. All right. Wade Miller, Winnipeg Football Club President and Chief Executive Officer. Once again, the headline, Winnipeg Football Club posts operating profit of $5.1 million in 2017. Instantly recognizable music, the immortal music of Tetris. Last year, last, I think, May, I'm walking down Corden, mm-hmm. and uh, I walk by this uh, this shop that has in the window uh, an ad for something that had already happened, unfortunately. It was the Manitoba Classic Tetris Championship. <laughs> so I reached out to the guy who put it together and said, can we do something on this next year? And he said, sure. And sure enough, he reached out. And Next he is year is here. here? Next year is here. The event organizer of the, the second annual Manitoba Classic Tetris Championship at the Goodwill Social Club at 625 Portage Avenue is here. Corey Ash is named. Corey, welcome. Hey, glad to be here, gentlemen. First thing I want to point out, Greg, I don't know if you noticed this on the, the, the news release you sent out. Uh, okay. Uh, but it, it's dated April 19th, 2018. Whoever cares, <laughs> media outlets. I think this might be the favorite news release I've ever received. Yeah, that's just us. We're whoever cares. <laughs> we care deeply about this. We love uh, unique uh, conversation and uh, events like this one. So Tetris is a spectator sport? Do tell. I mean, I remember tell, watching my mom play Tetris for hours on end. That's another story altogether. But uh, people like to watch? Well, definitely. I uh, I found this out by bringing my system down to a tree planting camp the last few years. And everybody wanted to play because everybody loves to play. And it is gripping to watch. Really? Like a, like a, a Tetris battle? Like watching two people go head to head? 
Uh, well, on NES, there's only one player oh, mode. Oh, okay. But uh, <clears throat> it's still a beautiful sport, and I've been watching videos on online of the World Championships, too. It's it's something special. People get into this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this has become a huge thing. Uh, gatherings to watch electronic gaming. Like, there are actually fans of the, you called it a sport, and, and there's talk of it becoming part of the Olympics at some point. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is this. It's huge. Well, that makes sense to me. You know, I I play darts and I play Tetris, and I don't think I'm doing less physically <laughs> to to throw darts. Well, and Tetris is probably more strenuous when you think about how when the speed picks up, uh, just in terms of the blood that's got to be pumping through your veins uh, to to keep up with what's going on on screen. It's exciting. It is very. You and you say here that it's good for your health. Why is that? Oh, for a few reasons, you know. For one, it's the the mind-body interfacing, so just brain practice in general. Uh, good for dexterity, good for focus for those of us with focus issues. Um, yeah, lots of mental health benefits, I find, you know, uh, in terms of esteem and, and that kind of stuff. So. You said something there, and uh, forgive me if I'm getting overly personal here, Corey, but you said for those of us with focus issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you fall under that category? Yeah, definitely. You know, like uh, I could focus on things that uh, that are worthy, <laughs> you know, uh, recipient kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's easy to to just not. So if you're into it, you can focus on it. But if you're not so into it, it's hard to pay attention. Is that well, am I understanding correctly? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So the uh, the 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 champion last year. Um, Mad Skiller, am I, am I, am I, it's, it's spelled M-D-S-K-L-R. I likened it to the old uh, game show Bumper Stumpers. <laughs> it's a good personalized had, license plate. I had to ask Corey how to say that, by the way. I didn't figure that out on my own. What, uh, how did, like, did, was there like a high score? Is that how the, the champion is determined? Yeah, well, for uh, the qualifying part of the tournament, everybody gets to just play their own games, see what score they get. But then for the elimination bracket tournament, uh, it's head-to-head, best-of-three series. So uh, so there's two TVs, two consoles, you know, two players, and uh, and whoever gets the most points in any of those games wins that head-to-head. And uh, Mad Skiller wrote it right through. Yeah, and to bring it back to this being a sport, Mad Skiller uh, clearly has uh, some physical and athletic prowess. Uh, that's safe to say, yeah. He, as a matter of fact, is a former Canadian boxing champion, uh, as a junior, and uh, and he was drafted in the WHL, I believe. Well, there you as go. As a teenager. So yeah. Proof is in the pudding. That's so this right. is happening uh, this Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday is the, the qualifying round. Sunday is the top 16 in the bracket. And uh, I guess he, since it's at the Goodwill Social Club, uh, you probably got to be 18 and enter this, right? Uh, 18 or accompanied by an adult. Oh, oh yeah. okay, so the youngsters can get in on this. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember I, I tried my hand at a Super Mario Brothers competition at Oxford Heights Community Club back when I was 11 or 12. I thought I, I thought it was pretty good, and Sweet. I got just destroyed <laughs> by uh, oh, so many people laugh. who were also who, kids who were younger than me. Uh, so this this brings out serious gamers, this kind of thing, I would imagine. Yeah, Did definitely. You're, did you ever play a game called Tetrisphere for the Nintendo 64? 
No, not yet. Jerry, had you, had you ever heard of it? No. Okay, so it was like Tetris, but instead of just playing on a where they would drop down from the top to the bottom, uh, you had to, to move this sphere around in the middle of the screen and drop the pieces sort of onto that. It was kind of a 3D sort of game, and uh, that's super intense, so I suggest you try that, uh, Corey. Well, that system sounds pretty modern to me. I don't know. <laughs> I was going pre-Tetris stuff. I was thinking of that blue and red ball that you used to have when you were a kid and take the shapes and you had to put the, the exact shape inside the ball and you pull it across, uh, apart and then start all over again. That's about as complicated as I get on the on the video games. That sounds fun, actually. Yeah. So how does one, uh, can one still register for this? Absolutely. On Saturday, you just show up and uh, and try to post your best score and top 16 go through on Sunday. Right Where did on. you get your hands on, uh, how many Nintendo Entertainment Systems did you have to use for this? I've got six that we use for qualifying and a couple of backups. Uh, I found a good good lead on Kijiji. The guy had systems for 30 bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, it's the Manitoba Classic Tetris Championship. Uh, we got about 30 seconds left. Did you have any closing remarks before we let you go here? Um, <laughs> yeah, not so much. I, I guess say uh, come do your best, you know, and, uh, and yeah, like... Last year, I noticed that a lot of people showed up to come and play, but nobody came to come and watch. But uh, it is really at a high level, so you might want to come down and check it out. Well, and I see that it's, uh, there's 10 times the level of interest on social media this year. Oh, and there, is there there's a side tournament? Or, oh, this is, this, sorry, this is about Mad Skiller, uh, where he won a side tournament on Game Boy. Is there any game, are you going to bring in a Game Boy element to this? Yeah, we're going to bring the Game Boy and, uh, and just have a side tourney on the... Yeah, for sure. A lot of people played Tetris. My mom played Tetris on the Game Boy. Uh, I think your mom and my mom might have gotten along real well. (laughs) I'm getting a sense. (laughs) Corey Ash, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. The Manitoba Classic Tetris Championship this weekend at Goodwill Social Club. Corey Ash is the organizer. Two unions representing 3,400 workers at CPR have served the company with a 72-hour strike notice. Workers are threatening to walk out early Saturday. If a mediated deal is not reached, how could a possible strike at Canadian Pacific Railway this weekend affect agriculture? To talk about that, we are joined live by Dan Mazur, who is president of Keystone Agriculture. Dan, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Dan, we've been hearing for months now about the backlog of prairie grain and other commodities kind of stuck in place. This wouldn't help, would it? No, this this uh, this pending strike is uh, is not good news at all for the the whole entire co- economy, actually. And so, what would the immediate effect be? Well, so we'll back up to the, the story you alluded to uh, in the opening. Here, we have a backlog right now. We have a carry over uh, in the in the agriculture system, or especially for grain products right now in in uh, Canada. To the tune of 28,000 cars. That's what the, the railways combined, CN and CP, are behind by ordered uh, cars since uh, last October. That's when it seemed like the plan started to unrail or, or come off the track, so to speak. Uh, so um, over that time, we were, uh, shippers, our elevators were saying, look, we need to ship these cars. We need to get the grain out to ports. And week after week, the, the railways just did not step up and did not uh, actually uh, fill these orders to the tune of these, of these 28,000 cars. They fell behind in an orders. And their solution to, the, to uh, reduce the congestion was to actually ration or to cancel orders. 
And that's how we ended up in this mess to this backlog to where we are today. So due to their mismanagement of the power and of the, of the workforce, um, they couldn't move enough product. Like there was, there was more demand for the rail services. And it was just not just agriculture, it was forestry, it was oil, it was everybody that was saying, look, the economy was growing, but the railways were not growing and adapting quick enough. So to where we are today, that we have a potential, meanwhile, we have a potential strike uh, um, looming uh, on a railway. And to get rid of this backlog, we need both railways uh, working at maximum capacity. CN, if you remember back about a month ago now, uh, the Minister of Agriculture and um, um, Transport, Garneau and Macaulay, um, wrote a letter publicly to the railways asking them to come up with a plan of how to get rid of the backlog and how they're going to move the grain. They talked about getting more rail, getting more employees, especially CN. CN's been very aggressive in, in uh, stepping up to the plate and, and satisfying those, those requests. And, and talking to us shippers and talking to agriculture. CP, on the other hand, is not, has performed uh, dismal. And, and so what we have as of week 36, CN was operating over 95% as far as uh, filling up orders, and uh, CP was still around that 30, below 35%. And uh, that's gone on ever since they've um, issued their, their orders. So They've got some real troubles with CP, and we, we need that stuff to keep on moving. Yeah, we had a representative from CN uh, visit with us just a couple of weeks ago who actually uh, made a, a plea, a promise, and an apology here on the air that they were going to do better. We will keep an eye on this CP story. Hopefully a strike is averted. Dan Mazur, thank you for this. We will keep in touch. Thank you. All right, Dan Mazur, president of Keystone Agriculture, joining us live on 680 CJOB. <laughs> For our friend Julian Pelicano. One of the most iconic films is get ever is getting the full orchestra treatment this weekend. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you with one of our geez, it's been a week or so of our top five favorite guests. That's right, yeah. Julian Pelicano with the WSO, Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra's resident conductor. And this is what's coming this weekend. The Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra presenting Oz with Orchestra this weekend. You will have a rare opportunity to see the digitally remastered Wizard of Oz as the WSO performs the score live. So the resident conductor of the WSO is here, Julian Pelicano. Welcome back, sir. And uh, when you hear this song, which uh, you just pointed out to me that it was voted the, the best song of the 20th century by the something called the National Endowment for the Arts. Uh, like this is of, in terms of iconic songs, it's it's hard to to come up with few that that defeat this one, right? I'd say so. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just a, it's an amazing song, and I mean, there's more there's more to this film than just that one song. Obviously, I mean, there are probably more pop culture references in this uh, film than any other movie of that we know of. I mean, just the all the lines, you know, incredible lines uh, from this film uh, make it so not just recognizable, but important for, you know, culturally 
for all of us. So uh, it's really an amazing film. And so, uh, anyway, thanks for having me on, guys, as well. I mean, it's, it's always great to be here. And, so, so two uh, questions with regard to the to the uh, to the lyrics and the and the vocals. How do you pull those out and separate them? We'll still hear the vocals. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the interesting um, the interesting challenges of doing uh, these old uh, MGM musical films. Uh, and I've done uh, many, many different kinds of uh, films with the symphony uh, here in Winnipeg and elsewhere. Uh, but um, these uh, these old musicals, uh, they actually they I I mean I don't personally do it, but somebody who's very very who's a real expert extracts the, the vocal the, track, the vocal tracks, the dialogue, and all of the foley. That's the sound effects from the musical score, which on a modern film is a little bit easier to do, but in these old films uh, is a little bit more difficult, but they managed to do it. And then um, and then the orchestra, What one of the challenges that, that we have is to actually accompany these singers who, I mean, Judy Garland is on the film, but we are accompanying her the same way they would have done in the studio in 1939 when they were recording it. Um, so, and we, we had done, uh, the other film that we've done here, another MGM film was, uh, Singing in the Rain. We did a few years ago and it's the same, uh, it's exactly the same. These are musical films. They're known for their musical numbers. And, um, and that's one of the things that, that we're going to be doing this weekend. So you actually hear Judy Garland singing or whoever it may be, but the you, score is us. You mentioned the folly. That's the, that's the sound effects, that's right? That's right. Yep. Are you reenacting the sound effects on stage or how, how are you, how are you doing that? You know what? I wish we were, <laughs> that would be really cool. Uh, but the, the, the sound effects are on the soundtrack that's on the film soundtrack. So they so managed to leave those in place. They leave those in place. Yeah, exactly. Fascinating. And it's just the orchestral score. So <clears throat> the score that we're going to be uh, performing, it's the, it is the original note for note 1939 uh, score. The music was written by Harold Arlen, uh, one of the great songwriters of the 20th century, he wrote hundreds of songs, maybe five or 600 songs, very recognizable songs, but wrote Summer Over the Rainbow, all of the songs for... In the Wizard of Oz, uh, but yeah, it's also it should be recognized that these musical scores were done by a team of people. Harold Arlen gets the credit for writing the music, but there are probably about five or six people that orchestrated and uh, wrote some of the underscoring. So it's a huge uh, production to put together a Hollywood score, especially in the in the late '30s. Now, I guess uh, it would be harder as well to you. You said it's harder to extract the sounds from these older movies with the new ones. I guess all the sound is probably recorded each. Each thing is on an individual soundtrack, a digital track that they can just separate. I would, uh, I would guess. Absolutely, that's exactly what it is. And back in the in the old days, they used to just throw up a microphone in the middle of the room, and maybe one for the singer, and that's it. <laughs> so you got a lot of there's a lot of uh, bleed through on all the microphones. So you got everything. So it's very it's not an easy task to do it, but uh, somehow they do. I have no idea how. I just conduct the orchestra. Now we understand that there are very few tickets left for Saturday's performance. Right. There's a performance Sunday afternoon. That's right. Okay, yes. now the Jets, follow me here, the Jets play Friday night against Minnesota. Judy Garland is from Minnesota. Okay. So if the Wild win somehow on Friday night, I will have to boycott both performances <laughs> based on Judy Garland's uh, passport and, and birth certificate. Oh, but no. should they win, should the Jets manage to win Friday night, I mean, all it's all holds bar. I'm free to come but uh these are very 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 popular 
<laughs> they are very popular. <laughs> you you know, they, it that. didn't occur to me <laughs> to think of the performances in this way, but now that you've pointed it out, yeah, I well, guess that is a that is a thing. It's the mentality of a crazy sports fan. <laughs> what can I tell you? Yeah, these uh, these these movie events, so they do all do very well, right? I mean, uh, Harry Potter, I think, was a sellout. E.T. probably a Absolutely. sellout. Absolutely, no, they they do very well, and um, it's not just because of the. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a popular uh, you know uh, art form film, like in one way that it, you know obviously people want to come and they want to see this. But it's also you have to remember it's a, the way that I think about it. Also, is it's a new way to experience all these things. We don't really sometimes it's hard to remember that orchestras are an, a hugely important part of cinematic history. I mean, from the beginning. Uh, film producers felt that the orchestra was going to be the vehicle for the music for films, and it still is today. Uh, most new movies, uh, Hollywood blockbusters especially, have a large orchestral score. And so it's a way that we can uh, not only honor that history of what orchestras have contributed to the history of film and also to culture, but it's a way to experience the orchestra in a new way. It's a way to experience the film in a new way. I mean, no matter it doesn't matter what kind of speakers you put into a movie theater, you will never get better sound quality than a live orchestra on stage in a concert hall that's designed to listen to live acoustic music. And we are playing it acoustic. The orchestra is not mic'd uh, in this uh, scenario. So... Um, it's really it's it's a special thing uh, that that we we love to do. We love to look at the music and uh, we love to bring our audience back to that time. It's such a special sound. Those, the MGM orchestra, the composers that were working back then, and the way that they use the orchestra. And it's a, it's a challenge uh, to recreate that, but it's a great challenge that we love taking on. Uh, do you, I can't remember because I, I have done this a couple of times. There was a Charlie Chaplin film, and then I saw you guys do Home Alone, uh, which was super fun. Both of them were just wonderful. Is there an intermission? Uh, yes, there okay. is an intermission. Yeah. I was going to say that's a long time for you to just have to stand there uh, <laughs> for two hours and do that with no break. Right. Well, I mean... Uh... You know, I don't, I don't. I never thought of it that way. Like, uh, it's a long time for me to stand. I always think it's just for the audience, the sake of the audience. You know, it's good to listen for a bit, take a break, come back. Uh, you know, get some refreshments, and then come back and uh, and experience the rest of the movie. Um, and uh, yeah, there definitely. Well, there definitely is an intermission for sure. I mean, um, it is. It's not a short. It's not a super long movie, but it's also not a short movie. No, I'm not short at all. Yeah. I, I know what Brett's about to do. Julianne <laughs> Pelicano is WSO's resident conductor. We're talking about Wizard of Oz and uh, uh, WSO presenting Oz with orchestra this weekend. Go to the WSO website to try and get some tickets for this. I'm not trying to discourage you in any way. If it sounded like it was earlier, uh, tongue in cheek with regards to Judy. Garland, uh, Sunday probably going to be your best bet. Some tickets available still for Saturday. How big is the is the screen that you show the movie on? It must be gigantic. I think it's a, it, it's a typical uh, movie theater screen, so it's 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 pretty massive. Uh, when when you when I'm up close to it, it's right. It's it's just just in front of me. It's kind of almost above my head. So it looks really, it looks huge. I mean, uh, but basically we want everybody in our, I think our hall seat's about 2,300 people, something like that. We want everyone to be able to get a good view and be able to see it well. I think we also bring in special projectors as well to make sure that the uh, we get the sort of crystal clear image uh, up on that screen. Uh, so it's really, you know, I don't know, I have to say these these... 
these uh, concerts are really special. I mean, they they're it's one of the one of the things that I really love doing with the symphony, and uh, I I do it a lot, and I really take a lot of pride in them. Uh, and as the as the orchestra does as well, uh, it's it's it, they're really incredible events for anyone who's never been to one or never maybe you didn't even know that this sort of thing existed, um, but they're really incredibly special. And it's when we do a film like uh, Wizard of Oz, uh, I remember a few years ago we did Fantasia, and uh, we did uh, two shows uh, in the evening, I think, and one in the afternoon, and we made it a little bit shorter for kids. We made it about an hour long. I remember commenting that, uh, and now Fantasia is not uh, from the 30s, it's a little bit of a newer film, and I remember commenting that if there were any grandparents in the audience, they'd probably seen it, Fantasia, in the theater. For the parents in the audience, they'd probably seen it on VHS, and most of the kids in the audience had no idea what that was. <laughs> so I had to explain that it was a sort of 20th century version of Netflix. And I thought it was kind of cool that the kids in the audience, most of them who are probably under 10, we're seeing this Fantasia for the first time with an orchestra. I mean, like right, ha- right. that's a really elevated way no to experience the film. An so, uh, and I think The Wizard of Oz is basically the same thing. It's a great film for kids, um, and uh, and it, it would be and it's an amazing way for kids to experience the film for the first time with the live Winnipeg Symphony. Well, and one of the things that I like about this particular style of event too is it's a big movie screen, but it's not so big that it overpowers. Uh, the visual of getting to see you guys do what you do. I end up actually spending more time watching the orchestra uh, to see who's playing what, and uh, I, I just find it fascinating to to see how you how you can meld so flawlessly. It's just a seamless uh, production that you do, and it's a really world class event. And I can't recommend it enough. If you're a fan of Wizard of the Oz or with the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Uh, which, is, by the way, which is kind of, that's about right. It's an hour 52, by the way. Yeah, and uh, I, I think I've only ever seen it on TV, That and they make it four hours long. That's why I always <laughs> thought it was four hours long. Uh, Julian Pelicano, resident conductor for the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. Once again this weekend, Oz with Orchestra tickets. Very few left, so get to WSO.ca right now and get your tickets. Julian, thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot for having me. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Behind the Glass, Jerry and Shanley Vidal. And thank you for listening to CJOB. And